Welcome back to the burning issue here on The Voice of the Cape. And if you have just joined us, our topic in this segment, Metro Rail poses threat to business and workers. And we're even going so far as uh, our students as well. Now, as we discussed earlier, there's a great sense of challenge with Metro Rail at the moment, given the distress caused to commuters when there are delayed services, when there's vandalism and, of course, crime on the railway lines. Metro Rail spokesperson uh, Rihanna Scott is usually the person that takes a lot of the heat from the public on these issues and we're going to get through as much as we can. Now we are joined online by Rihanna Scott who is the spokesperson for Metro Rail. Rihanna, very good evening to you. Good evening, everyone. Uh, thanks for being with us uh, this evening, Rihanna. Uh, now, one of the biggest challenges on a daily basis are the delayed train services, which, as we know, impacts on business. Why is Metro Rail struggling to improve train punctuality and cancellations? I think one must go back to the context, Rilan. It's well known that our rail system is very old. It's way past its design life. It's uh, between 35 and 50 years old. Now, any system that has been left so long before uh, receiving attention is going to be problematic. It's a very, very big task, unlike just buying a new car. If you modernize the railways, it's not just the trains. It is also the supporting infrastructure, like the overhead electrical system, the signaling system, and, of course, the track it operates on. Now, um, a lot of the issues that we deal with are things uh, that one can ascribe to socioeconomic conditions, and although these are not our issues, they become very firmly our problem. And if we look just quickly at uh, things beyond our control, we look at informal settlements um, either side of the railway line. Now, the one side would be electrified. The community opposite, it would not be electrified. Now, one understands the need of the people, so what they'll do is they'll lay uh, illegal electrical connections. That, of course, shorts out our power. Now, giving power is not our issue, it's not our competency, but it becomes our problem. If you look at unserviced communities in dire need for housing, they come and they um, erect informal dwellings either on our rail reserves in which case we must uh, follow the process to remove them. Mm -hmm. Housing is not our issue. It is not our competency, but it becomes our problem because it affects our service. Mm -hmm. If we look at uh, the disposal of wet waste, where communities are not serviced, they do not have running water and pollution, they dispose of their wet waste on our line. It's not our issue. We're not in the business of providing services, but it becomes our problem. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of outside... Sorry. uh, uh, Okay. The the, the big favorite is crime. Now, we are very, very um, aware of crime, and we are doing our utmost to keep it out of our um, precincts. But if you look at crime in general... um, we are not crime fighters. Our group CEO has said that. We see daily ambulance people being attacked, fire services being attacked, schools under attack, learners threatened. Crime is so rampant, it, it spills over onto the railway system. It can't help but do that. Now, while we are most happy and um, focused to keep the rail, um, crime out of the rail system, if it spills over so unbridled from the surrounder, you're never going to win the war, unaided and alone. 
Okay, so what you are then saying is that there's a lot of outside factors which impedes and has an impact on the service delivery that you guys are trying to ensure to our commuters and our public as a, you know, as a whole, for example, but that these issues that come up are not your areas of service delivery, for example. No, indeed not, but they do spill over into our rail system. That's what I'm saying. And um, they, if, uh, if we look at vandalism, for instance, one of the biggest things that we have probably daily and several instances per day is copper theft. Now, if you look at how many illegal scrap dealers there are, if you look at the fact that in the Cape, the, the Cape port, we are one of the biggest exporters of scrap metal. Um, now, that's not our issue. We are not metal uh, experts. We we suffer from it like any other copper-based company or a company that uses copper, Telcom, for instance, um, or a Transtel or Transnet, our, our um, other railway system. All of us suffer from non-ferrous metal theft, and yet there is um, from us no pers- or a perception that there is no effort at closing down illegal scrap dealers. There are no efforts visible of closing down bucket shops. Um, the non-ferrous um, metal is, is something that's in high demand, and people steal it for two reasons. There is the small pilfering guy who, who um, steals copper to feed his family, and then there's syndicates. But what we're saying is if there's no demand for copper, the theft will stop. So we're saying to scrap dealers, please don't accept any scrap metal unless it's got a certificate of origin. If we legally and officially dispose of scrap, we will give that person a certificate to say you have acquired from Metrorail so much copper or so much non-ferrous metal and you can go to the scrap dealer and legally dispose of it. But for as long as scrap dealers illegally take um, copper and other metals and pay for it, there will be a demand. People will continue to do that because they know there's cash at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Just to remind our listeners that we are chatting to Metro Rail spokesperson Rihanna Scott and we're looking at the current situation, uh, challenges facing Metro Rail which has an impact on business workers and some of our students alike. Uh, I've never heard of this word bucket shops until now. It refers to an illegal scrap dealer. Uh, so thanks very much for that Rihanna. I never, uh, well I just very quickly also saw that in the, in the article. Now the other thing is, you know, it says that you ordered 30 kilometers of cable and I was saying earlier, you know, normally when, when someone speaks of cabling or wire, we normally say meters. Uh, but Metrorail had to purchase in 30 kilometers of cabling to keep up with the rate of, of your loss. Indeed, and that's just this year's order. We found something new. As our security service are trying to clamp down on vandalism in the field, we have now found a new brazen way of doing things, and that is on board vandalism we lose probably if i say lose out of the service of course we're not talking about the 101 carriages that we've lost to fire since october 2015 we're talking about a rolling average of 60 to 70 carriages out of service due to onboard cable theft and these teams are so brazen brazen that they steal while there are commuters on board our commuters have sent us images some have been brave enough to send us video clips of these things. One particular team who has a female in it has been arrested twice um, and has been set free. So we are also concerned about the fact that there is no um, or very little 
effort today to make cable theft a more um, dangerous, if I can say, or a more crucial theft. We are very encouraged by the Criminal Matters Amendment Act. You will also have seen that we, our own people have started arresting people and taking them to the police, and we are now insisting that they be um, prosecuted in terms of the Criminal Matters Amendment Act because this act makes provision for us being able to um, insist on stricter sentences. We can also oppose bail, and it, it just lifts the what used to be um, malicious damage to property, just lifts it to a higher level where it's a more serious crime deserving of uh, more serious sentences. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you mentioned as well now the issue around Metrorail having lost 101 carriages due to vandalism since October 2015. Now, how has this impacted on operations and how will Metrorail be addressing this particular issue? I think our commuters out there know exactly how it's impacted on us. The fact is, and it's on record from all of our spokespeople is that we're currently operating with 60% of our fleet. Now, we can't do that and not see the, the consequences. We see over full trains, we see people resorting in desperation to very dangerous acts, hanging onto trains, traveling between trains, traveling on top of trains, sheer desperation because we are operating with 60% of our fleet. It's been brought to um, our principal's attention, I think at the highest level people are very aware of it and by no means are we the only region in such a desperate state. In general, all of the regions suffer from old and obsolete infrastructure. What we have proposed is a four-pronged plan to expedite just to stop the rot and stop the, um, the service from deteriorating further. We're going to give our first priority, of course, to get those carriages back then to um, recover the infrastructure that goes with it because if even with a magical wand tomorrow we can replace the carriages that we've lost to fire the um, infrastructure that they operate on and that gives us power must also be robust and modern enough and stable enough to co- for us to continue the service our commuters will know we often say that signal power failure is a problem that leads to delays the power failures as a result of old and obsolete aged infrastructure. And the older it gets, the more frequently it needs to be um, maintained because it gets vulnerable, it gets weak, it gets um, infirm. So it's a whole industry almost. It's the tracks below the train, it's the train itself, it's um, the uh, uh, overhead wiring, it's the signaling system. All of those things must work in tandem for even a modern train to run. So we're very encouraged. We see that in Western, uh, in Gauteng, the first new trains have started their commercial service, and um, that program will be rolled out. But I always say to people that this system has taken 50 years to get to its knees. What PRASA has done is undertaken the huge task of modernizing that system uh, incrementally over 20 years, and government has realized the... the um, necessity of that and therefore has committed 172 billion rand over the next 20 years to do that incrementally because it's such a huge elephant to eat you can only do it jump by jump. Mm-hmm. One of the other issues Rihanna that has been brought to our attention is for example the numerous attacks on train drivers. How does Metrorail protect the safety of its staff for example? Now that is exactly what I was referring to um, earlier in our interview, um, our, our customers aren't criminals. Those criminals 
come from the surrounding areas. We've got a what we call our, our um, triangle, the area between Langa and Yanga, um, Metrach. That area is absolutely gang infested. People are too scared to go in. They, the police are released from their weapons when they go there. It is a very, very high priority and dangerous area. Yet our service teams must go in there. Our technicians go in there to repair. They go in overnight. They go in with armed escorts. And we've also seen that now spilling over to our train drivers. And it's sheer, sheer criminality that does that. It's young children as, as young as 14 with guns. They don't even realize the consequences of their actions. So unless crime in general from the surrounding areas, gangsterism, drugs, unless that is brought under control, we're fighting a losing battle. We do have our um, armed escorts now, as I said, for our technicians as well as for our train drivers. It's costing a lot of money and it's simply not sustainable. And we're addressing the symptoms. We're not addressing the illness. Mm-hmm. Uh, my attention very quickly to our SMS line. There's a WhatsApp message here from 2116. It says Metrofail has more than three different security companies employed by them. But these loafers are of no use. Prasa knew all along that the rolling stick was aging. Why have they not started replacing the stuff 10 years ago already? I'm not too sure if Rihanna can respond to that particular SMS. No, I'm not going to. It's well, well known why we've come to the, uh, the position we are. And there's no point in blaming who, who, whose fault it was that we are uh, now. The issue is now how do we address it as quickly and as soon as possible to make sure that we stabilize the service and from there incrementally improve it. Okay. Uh, Rihanna Scott, uh, Metro Rail spokesperson, can you explain Prasa's plans to stabilize and recover service levels? As I said, it speaks to the four-pronged program. We're going to start with uh, trying to get those coaches back as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. There are discussions underway with people that can do that. Of course, what doesn't make it very easy for us is there are not a lot of companies who refurbish trains. Um, It's not an off-the-shelf item. It's not an industry that is very predominant. You will find a whole lot of other industries that you'd find very few companies that are able to refurbish trains. So we're working with the available um, contractors and we will see how we can expedite that. Of course, the other thing is funding. It's something very, Mm. very costly. I think the figure that we bandied about to get those carriages back is in the region of 312 million rand. Um, Also, we are a state-owned entity. We work with budgets. We have to comply with treasury rules. We have to comply with our own uh, procurement policy, so it's not a matter of whipping out the credit card, going to the local hardware store and procuring those items. Because of the age of the system also, a lot of components are no longer readily available. We must search for them. Often you can only get them overseas. And a prime example is the Southern Line. We are, we are lambasted daily because it takes so long to fix it. The incident happened the 29th of January. We uh, anticipated uh, recovery for that for the first part of that is the end of September. And people said, but why does it take so long? It's not off-the-shelf items. Many of it is original engineering manufactured stuff. So we had to import, go through the whole process of uh, getting funding from Treasury. We had to import the components from Germany and from India. So it takes a long time. It has to work its way through customs. And only then can a contractor be appointed to start. And that's the process we followed. 
it's progressing well and it's, um, everything works to plan and the weather holds, then by the end of September, the first part of that would be done. Well, let's uh, keep our fingers crossed and hopeful uh, by towards the end of September. Any concluding remarks uh, from your side, uh, Rihanna, that you want to share with our listeners? Just to say that people often think um, we're unaware of the situation. I can assure them that we look at it daily. Every day we have a teleconference where we look at what happened in the morning, what our technicians can fix during the day, what the prognosis is for the afternoon. So we're very, very aware of our responsibility. We're very aware that the hardship, we, the, the lack of service is out there. And as you've seen, the Chamber... Uh, Labour federations, we out there, we, we have nowhere to hide. We've got a lot of enemies and a lot of critics. But what we're saying is that's not going to solve the problem. If we can join hands to sort out the socio-economic issues that impact on the service, we will have the luxury of just looking after operating trains. Mm-hmm. Well, that is Rihanna Scott, a spokesperson for Metro Rail. A very big thank you for your time. Uh, and we say to you uh, everything of the best and a very good evening. Thank you, everyone. Good night.